Hi, I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me. In case you're not familiar with me, my name is Dee, and this is my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. I've created this site to touch base on things that others may feel, say, or wish were said more often. I understand that my thoughts, my words, and even my research ethics may not meet everyone's approval. However, I respect that and appreciate your First Amendment right. To give you a better understanding on the topics that I am passionate about, pretty much in a nutshell, it's you, me, our nation, God, and everything else in between. My site is not intended to patronize anybody, nor is it to state that I am an, an opinionated person that is not willing to listen or try to understand others. I have been through a lot of moments in my life. However, I respect the experiences, opinions, feelings, and well-being of others. I do not, nor will I ever, go out of my way to personally hurt anybody. Today's topic, I would like to touch base on something that is very important to me, um, as I have had to witness firsthand many times uh, such incidences. But I would like to talk about elderly and the disabled, and how much they are taken advantage of, um, and how much monopoly in the world, if you will, um, patronizes them, takes advantage of them, and basically rapes them of their financial security as well as their own mental and physical stability. Um, my mother, um, she's, I'm, let me, here, I personally, um, I am a caretaker of my mother. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember if you joined me in my last podcast. Um, my mother is actually blind and disabled. And I have a button, a, ding, a doorbell button, basically, it sounds like, um, in some of the other rooms. So that way, if I'm in a different room and she needs me and I'm not close to her, she can ring this bell and um, I basically know to go to her. She has three devices. Um, one is at her bedside. One is by her bedside toilet. And another one is in another place that she decides to carry it. Um and this uh before like coming back in the room that i'm in right now even though it is on the opposite side of her bedroom it is kind of soundproof um for her and actually sometimes me i have to leave the door open sometimes so i can really kind of strain my ear to hear her um and she would call me on my cell phone and i'm just in the other room so this bell actually my younger sister got for us um she found it um, actually at sell a Goodwill and um, it has actually been really great and a lifesaver in so many ways um, my mother is currently widowed and uh, like I said she's also elderly and disabled and she's blind um, my dad passed away last year uh, sadly from a heart attack and with that I immediately became my mother's caregiver I was a therapist for autistic children um, at a company that I loved um, working with the kiddos and doing what I did but when my dad suddenly passed away there was no question in my mind where I needed to be and that was with my mother um, my mother she went blind started to go blind actually in 2012 from wet macular degeneration her health over the years also started to decline um, it was kind of hit and miss and then rapidly and then it would ease up it's kind of you know goes with the aging but a lot also to hereditary and just other factors that have led her to the situation that she's in right now it would be easy for me to explain to you what's not wrong with her in her health issues than what is wrong with her in her health issues um, and uh, she says her blindness is a piece of cake compared to the rest of her health <laughs> Um, which is very uh, sad. Fortunately, my mother um, owns the home that she grew up in. And this was my grandparents' house. Um, so I have a lot of cherished memories here. And I guess you can say this is kind of the house that built me, if you will. Uh, my mother's always been independent and dedicated um, a wife to my dad. She was always doing something and always on the go. And my dad and her both were into music really big. My mom was a very avid musician and even wrote her own songs. And my dad, he was from West Virginia and was, of course, very savvy on the guitar. I grew up uh, in a family of music and remember my mom waking up. I remember waking up to my mom singing and playing the guitar and the organ and the piano and um, 
constantly she would be trying to hit that note and she'd be like nope nope then that's not it that's not it and she'd start playing again nope nope that's not it that's it and i'm just sitting there on a saturday morning as a teenager going oh my goodness woman get that note so i can go back to sleep <laughs> um but now you know i uh, i miss those days i miss those days a lot and i cherish those and i have come across some of her music and stuff and i would like to find a way somehow to preserve some of them and she actually has recordings of her voice and her singing on reel-to-reel -reel tapes uh, and some younger generations might not know what reel-to-reel -reel tapes are but people in my generation and above i'm sure know very well what those were um you know we had adapters that went in the eight track tapes um in the in the car and we thought we were bougie <laughs> so um she was always the family doer and my dad of course he was the dedicated provider um, together they were a team that I valued very much growing up and I cherish very much watching their relationship um, and everything that they had and I I always say that I pray that you know someday maybe I hope to find a man in my life that is a smidge half of the man that my dad was just the way he was with my mom when my dad was 50 though he was lifelined and he was transported uh, on helicopter suffering from a heart attack he had been two and a half hours away fishing with a distant family. Um, I remember seeing him get off the helicopter, and um, that's an image that I will never forget. Uh, over the years, his health was not great. He suffered many heart attacks and numerous hospital stays, constantly in and out. Um, pneumonia, heart attacks, something always going on. He had a defibrillator put in and several stents. He had an aneurysm, and the bottom of his heart actually was dead. My mom was starting to go blind, but she was still driving at the time, and she had to rush him to the hospital. Um, he had just been released from having a massive heart attack and had a bleeding ulcer in his stomach and didn't know it, and he was coughing up blood real bad and wasn't able to really stand up on his own. And my mom literally had to almost carry this six-foot uh, dude, um, you know, struggling herself and in the van, or in the car, rather, and driving him to the hospital and that's when she discovered it was difficult for her to see to drive and my dad was trying to navigate her the best that he could um and well long story short they both ended up being very codependent on one another and leaning on each other for support understanding and very much mental stability as well as many other things over the years my mother's health um unfortunately started to decline she ended up um, also having a heart attack and having several stents put in she also has an aneurysm in her heart and her health seemed to spiral from there and i guess luckily uh, if you will my dad appeared to be able to be, be getting better as time passed and their roles as a team actually switched and um, his role changed dramatically in the relationship and he became miss susie homemaker <laughs> i guess you could say and that's um I guess the younger generation wouldn't be able to relate to that. I guess I'm telling my age. <laughs> um, he cooked, he cleaned, he did the grocery shopping, he managed my mom's medicine, he helped her bathe, get her dressed, brushed her hair, did her nails. It was basically everything for her. Um, together they balanced the bills and he tried to understand the mumble jumble of technology the best that he could. Being one of 10 to 11 kids, uh, I can't remember how many, I believe, I know for a fact 10, but I can't remember if there was another one in there that I miscounted. Uh, living in the holler, West Virginia, um, he dropped out of grade school and worked, um, helped to save, you know, and support his family, which basically was what they did back then. And, you know, the coal mines and stuff was very big and it still is very big in West Virginia, actually, but he later ended up getting into heating and air um, and uh, was a heating air man. Um, the development technology very much overwhelmed him though. Um, he finally mastered how to operate my mom's audiobooks on her tablet and he was just a bomb diggity when he did so. <laughs> they would spend countless years on the tablet listening to stories. Sometimes he would even stay up all night to finish a book because it got interesting to him. And his favorite um, author was Jack Reacher. Um, he talked about Jack Reacher all the time and he would compare the movie and the book and the stories and this and that and the other and um you know he had his, his favorites and 
I would come in sometimes and um, mom would be sound asleep and he'd come in and half of his hair would be standing up like he's stuck in the light socket and the other half would be smooth. And I'd be like, oh, what kind of book were you listening to? And uh, it was just the way he was laying, I guess, <laughs> uh, listening to the book. And he'd stay up three or four or five o'clock in the morning to finish a book because it was good, he said. And um, not very much of a of a reader himself um, he can get lost into stories I guess and uh, you know kind of let it take from there he bought a van from uh, a car lot um, a little over a year ago before he passed away and he had actually had never purchased a vehicle from a car lot before so needless to say the salesman did some fast talking to him and my mom and sold him a Dodge Grand Caravan and my dad was like a kid in the candy store he was smiling from ear to ear and he was just so freaking happy. And I would send him to the parking lot because I took him up there to go pick it up. And, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I want to get a picture of you. And he's just holding his keys up in the air, just a chinging, you know. And um, he was, uh, it was very a treasure moment for sure. Yeah, very much uh, memory captured in time. Very much. Uh, I'm bringing this all up for a reason. I'm not just, you know, rambling, although I do have the gift of gab. One being is to share the story of my wonderful parents. A relationship that fought very hard over the years and they came over many many obstacles together believing in their wedding vows their religion and each other two because um, when he passed away it was also not only traumatic life-altering tragedy for my mother but she was still left with her own declining health and her own safe haven her only go-to her only protector and her provider was gone Everything that she was in the 70 years of her life was different. Here she was now literally starting a new life unlike anything imaginable. They went from being in the kitchen at 10.30 in the morning making meatballs, because she was teaching him how to make meatballs, to her yelling for me to come help because he wasn't right. And he told me, or told her to come and get me. Um, I just fortunately was um, home that day uh, from work. I was sick actually and I was home that day because I was staying here with my parents. Um, I have a 27 foot camper in the back and uh, but my parents helped the way they were. I knew if one happened, something happened to one, the other one was going to need help and vice versa. So I wanted to make sure that I could at least be here if that was the case scenario. And fortunately and sadly enough, uh, at the same time I was here um, at that particular time when my mom needed me the most. And, um, anyway, um, I never knew that I would be spending that day, uh, giving my dad CPR, um, as he was in the bathroom, um, you know, I had to yank him off the toilet and put him on the floor and, um, my mom walking around with her oxygen tank and asking me if, you know, he needed her air and try to hand me her oxygen hose and, I told her to put it back on. He needed my air, and uh, for her, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't take care of both of them at the same time. <laughs> so please put your mask back on, Mom. <laughs> um, calling nine one one, you know, and I just kind of blanked her out. Um, she was telling me to do things, and I just kind of went into mode, um, having a medical background and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I just more or less wanted help to be on the way, and. Um, the guidance and stuff, I, I very much appreciate 911 dispatchers. I couldn't even imagine their job um, being on the end of the, the phone line, feeling helpless and, and dedicated and blindly going in, if you will. Um, but when my mom asked if he needed air and the, and the 911 they say, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> wrong air, <laughs> you know, and, but she wouldn't have known that. But anyway, um, I had to call my family. And I had to think of who was the closest, you know, and I had to try to go in order and make sure that I had somebody here so that way, you know, it, it wasn't looking good. And the medics, they worked on him for 45 minutes on top of what I did. And, um, you know, I had to explain to my mom um, that, you know, her husband was gone. And sadly, it wasn't even me that did it. It was my youngest daughter um, because I was outside um, taking care of uh, calling work and um, talking to the medics and calling some family members my aunt and my sister and uh, that my daughter actually had intervened that moment and um, I'm very blessed that she was here 
um, you know, but I, I lived with major, I live with major PTSD with it. Um, you know, he literally took his last breath with me and it's, it's something that is very hard. Um, you know, I've, I've beat myself up a lot with it. Um, you know, questioning this, had I done this, you know, I heard his ribs, you know, pop it or break or whatever and the sound and, you know, slapping him across the face, time to wake up and, you know, apologizing because I slapped him, but wanted to take the yelling from him, if you will, but it, it didn't happen. And, uh, the th hardest thing, though, that I ever had to do in my whole being a life on earth, I thought would have been giving my dad CPR, but it wasn't. And uh, it was going to the funeral home, picking up my dad's ashes, coming home, and walking in and handing them to my mother. And uh, I just um, handed him to her and I walked out of the room. And I just let her have her moment of whatever she needed. And then she hollered for me when she was, she was ready for me to take him back into the other room. The third reason of this conversation is because of becoming my mother's caregiver, I had to quit my job as a therapist, obviously. And she had five doctor appointments that month. And my work was not very flexible on the instability of the much needed time I was going to need off. So I pretty much knew that it was a no-brainer. Um, I told my boss with tears in my eyes I had no choice that I had to quit. My mom needed me, and immediately I knew that that was the right decision to do, even though it hurt really bad both ways. And employer, uh, you know, I believe will have your job posted quicker in the paper than your obituary will be. Although that wasn't the relationship I had with this company or my boss, uh, who was wonderful. Uh, Amy was amazing. Um... I just knew that that, you know, that's just what I needed to do. The stability of their ch the children there, um, especially ones with special needs, you know, they re require a certain consistency. And unfortunately, I was not in the position of the mentality at that time to continue um, being beneficial to them. And uh, it was going to be more beneficial for my mother. And I needed to be with her. This brings me to the whole point and the reason, I guess, um, all the way into it. What are we in? Over 17 minutes of conversation here. Um, when I started helping my mom and going over her decisions and necessities, I was also dealing with the car lot, the car that my dad had bought, um, and other things in his name. I say the car lot because, sadly, my dad had to pick me up one day from work with the car that he had bought that he was so happy in getting. Uh, we were coming home from work. My car was broke down, so he was picking me up. And one of my coworkers, uh, Lindsay, she had picked me up from home and took me to work. And then my dad had picked me up to bring me home. And uh, on the way home, on the back roads, because we live in the country, um, there was a big, huge, souped-up avalanche pickup truck who happened to live seven houses down from us that ended up being a distant relative to my, my dad, um, ironically. Um, but anyway, he didn't see us because his truck was too tall. And he ran over us, literally ran over us. And totaled the van out. And that was November, right before Christmas of 2021. Um, my dad, obviously, heartbroken. His baby, <laughs> um, you know, was totaled. And But his main concern also was, how am I going to get your mom to her doctor appointments now? And he had a pickup truck, but it was hard to get my mom in the truck, and it was a, it was a stick shift, and he had gout, and so it was very hard for him to, to shift gears in it, and it was just um, very difficult. So the van was just really great for both of them, but I think that hurt him the most. Um, that was his pride in so many ways. Um, very much hard work and dedication and deserving that vehicle. But the car, the car lot was were great with them. They went on a mission and found him another van, um, one the exact same color. Um, this one was a sister to the Dodge Grand Caravan. It was a town and country. Um, and if you wouldn't have known any better, you would have never knew that, known that he had two separate vehicles. And my neighbor who lived next door, our neighbor, I guess, um, she never realized that he had two separate vehicles. Um, and she pretty much notices a lot. Um, you know, she's a very wonderful neighbor. I love her. And, um, she doesn't miss the beat, but she missed that. <laughs> um, now, uh, with that, my, my dad, um, um, when they wrote the new loan, um, 
They put my dad as the buyer and my mom as the co-signer. Now, at the time, my mom was only getting a little over $200 a month in disability. And you would think somebody being blind and disabled would get over two, more than $200 in disability. But she that's what she was getting. And she was getting a spend down on the insurance, which, which was taking money from her disability. So she wasn't getting that much. And she still had to pay for her medication. So basically, she was pretty much... Um, getting enough money left over to pay for her medication that she had to pay even though she had to spend down on insurance and it's just a big old mess and um anyway her disability was not even enough to even pay for the car payment and i distinctly remembering asking the salesman um you know lord forbid if something was to happen with my dad um how is she going to be able to afford that? Because she didn't even make enough to pay the car payment that was, you know, around $550 or something a month. And he's looked at me, and I knew he didn't want to answer me because I know how salesmen are, you know, and they don't want to make a commitment on something. And if it's not in writing, you know, you pretty much are just going to take whatever BS they want to throw at you to patronize you. Uh, most of the time, not all the time. But there's a lot of them that are sincere, and I, I, they're not all that way. Um, but he said, we will deal with that, you know, at the time if it happens. Now, with that being said, my mom is also blind, as I said, but she can sign her name if someone directs her where to sign it. She uh, was trained from school uh, from Bosma. Uh, they do a lot of wonderful work, Bosma does. I love Bosma. Um, and they trained her on a lot of things and gave her a lot of tools and um, helped her, trained her on her cane um, when she was able to walk because um, she has difficulty walking now, so that is even a big hinder. Um, and there's actually a white cane law, uh, if nobody knows that. There is. Um, and um, anyway, she could sign her name if someone shows her where it is. And so she signed, you know, they basically told her where to sign her name, and she signed it, and all was good in the hood, I guess, so to speak. And this was two weeks, basically about um, right before Christmas time. Now, fast forward to the week of when my dad passed away. Um, the paper plates were still in the van and were not to run out for at least another week or two. And when um, my dad had passed away, I was checking his voicemail message and there was a message from the car lot stating that my parents needed to come in and re-sign the title paperwork uh, for the title because my mom had signed in the wrong place <laughs> and the license branch would not accept it. So, now this is a problem. I looked at my mom, um, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to explain this to her. She was trying to figure out, you know, how she was going to afford everything on her small disability check. A million one things going on in her mind. How is she going to afford the van payment? How is she going to pay her bills? How is she going to survive? You know, all these things flooding her on top of losing my dad. And, um... You know, she... Um, I had another check coming in from a job... And there are people that fortunately had given her money from the funeral home. And that combined with her small disability check, we basically took care of February's bills, including the van payment. And I looked over at my mom and I said to her the best way I could, um, there's going to be an issue plating the van and, and an issue on signing the paperwork for the title of the van. And you can't get a license plate if you don't have the title and you can't have the title and the loan because, well, he's not here to sign his name again. And so now you have a vehicle that you can't title and you can't plate it now, but you still have a loan and you're going to be responsible for it, but your disability check isn't even enough to even cover half of the bill of the loan of your car payment. And she called, and of course I didn't say it like that. You know, I was very gentle, gentle with my mom. I wasn't that blunt with her. Um, you know, I was gentle with my mom. Um, she called and spoke to the car lot, and they directed us to the finance company. And it was a big pain in the butt. Um, the car lot did not know what to do. And the gentleman, I can't remember his name, um, he was a very great salesman. Uh, very sad and um, knew, had got to know my parents and um, just didn't know what to do. And he was told by his boss to stay out of it. And I understand that. That's a big legality thing. 
and um, I told the car lot or the finance company that I would take over the loan and the payment um, and they were like well we can't do that but you know maybe you could pay it and then when it's all done your mom can sign it over you know the title over to you or whatever and I'm like eh, we're not doing it that way um, and they weren't very very helpful on that and they were not inclined to take me up on that at all and I don't understand it but instead they tried to intimidate my mom and use that little scare tactic method, you know, coming after her and putting the car up for auction and worrying about her credit. And I looked at my mom and I said, hand me that phone. You know, and I've had my bouts with car lots. I've been through stuff and I know some things about cars. And I've learned the hard way, you know, through my life. <laughs> and um, being bullied by them. And I'll be darned tootin' if I was going to listen to them do that to my mom. And I told the lady, I said, first of all, I offered to take over the loan and pay for it. And you declined that offer. So that's off the table now. We try to give you a solution. Um, you want to try to scare her with take, talking about her credit and taking the van, going to auction. And I said, you know what, with all due respect, you think she gives a crap about her credit right now? You, you think she even cares about that? Her house is paid off. You know, she don't, she don't, she don't drive. She don't have a driver's license. She, she's 70 years old. You know, I said, she's grieving her husband of 40 years. Uh, you know, you think she cares about her credit? And I said, and when you, when you sold her the vehicle, it doesn't even make sense on how you did that when her disability is not even enough to cover the payment of it. And you, she can't even see to drive it, nor does she even have a license. And, you know, I don't think it's legal to tie and strap your white cane to the front of the car and just kind of feel your way drive it, even though probably could drive better than some people in this world. But I think it's kind of frowned upon. Um, and I, I just, I just don't, I would, I wouldn't want to be on the sidewalk. <laughs> My mom was driving with the cane attached to the car. <laughs> and I'd probably stay for next to her. Um, anyway, um, and I said, but also, mainly, you didn't have a third party even offered for her to come in and read the paperwork to her. You didn't have somebody who is non-biased come in and read legal documents to her and have her sign paperwork. Instead, you pointed to her where to sign based off of what you summarized it to say on how you wanted it to sound to her. Now, what judge is going to grant you anything? Who in the right mind would think that this is justifiable? And plus, you can't sue her for a disability check either. She also um, offered you a solution giving the benefit of the doubt by letting me take over the payments and you decline the solution. So you go in and tell the judge saying, you know, hey, we need payment, blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, well, hey, we offered to pay this amount. If you offer somebody a dollar, you at least try to make a, a, you know, an effort or something. That's better than offering nothing. And, um, well, needless to say, we ended up uh, ending the conversation with the finance lady saying to me, uh, do you want to drop it off here at the car lot or do you want us to come and pick it up? Uh, we'll come and drop it off tomorrow. Now, fast forward to the same month. Now that my dad, not being into technology, he had a flip phone. Yes, those still exist. A flip phone from Verizon. Uh, my mom had called to turn his service off in January. And the lady even took the time to wait until I curled up all the voicemails to turn it off. And I know that for a fact because that's how we found out um, about the car lot needing us to come in because that's when I was retrieving his messages. Um, and, um, so anyway, my mom got a bill, um, in the month, after month, after month, and his phone was still on there and her charges services were now higher. So the phone was on there, but her bill was still ridiculous. So now here we are, June of 2022, and now trying to figure out why my mom's bill is so high. So like almost six months now into it. Well, my mom yelled at me crying one day, and I asked her what was wrong, and she did that, what a lot of people probably do, I would imagine, um, calling the voicemail just to hear their voice. And um, 
Unfortunately, she got my voice because my dad, my dad had me record the voicemail. But anyway, she called his phone. Um, she said she just had a, the urge to call his phone. And you know what? It was still active. So now we call in again to customer service. Two separate customer service reps were more than rude to her. And one even had the balls to hang up on my mom. And my mom was so overwhelmed with it all and upset. And she was uh, very bad in her health already. And so she wasn't even able to go into the store to even talk to anybody. So a couple of days went by and she called back and got a woman. The woman apologized to my mom for what had happened and said that she was going to try to uh, submit it in for review, not to worry about the bill, and until she got the updated version. Well, that was great, and she was a very wonderful woman, and I was right around 4th of July, right before 4th of July. And, well, guess what? My mom's phone got turned off for non-payment. So now I have to download a phone app to my mom's phone, explain to her how to use it, and tell her she can only use it in the internet, which, fortunately, I guess, in one sense, my mom didn't go nowhere. She was basically confined to her bed, um, but she needed a phone for her doctor's appointments and to call me uh, when I was either outside in the other room or at the store or wherever. And it was very difficult because her doctors were, you know, calling for appointments and stuff. So it was a very big deal. So anyway, we eventually had to go to the Verizon Center and we sat there for over three hours um, in very uncomfortable chairs. My mom in very bad health. It was very difficult for her. Luckily, we had a wonderful customer service rep named Dana. Dana's awesome. I love Dana. Um, Dana's now my friend on Facebook. <laughs> um, and she was more than helpful and understanding to, to my mom and us. And she witnessed firsthand how customer service department was being. And they were just being, and I hate this word because it's a bad word, it's stupid. They were being stupid. And uh, they were trying to say that my mom owed them money. Now you want to go... Now, you want to know, they're trying to say, the reason was, is that um, instead of turning my dad's flip phone off, that my mom upgraded it to a 5G. Hmm. Now my mom's going to take my dad's flip phone and upgrade it to a 5G. Okay. Well, now, how did that end up? Now, they're sitting there trying to do the math and think, trying to figure things out, and they found out that... Um, you know, they decided that my mom was just going to have to pay a reconnect fee. Um, and they would just dismiss the bill. I don't think so. Well, I'm sure they could hear me on the other, on the outside of the phone because I'm very verbal when it comes to defending my mom and bullcrap that is thrown at her. And, well, just bullcrap in period. Um, and that was just ridiculous. And, um, anyway, they decided to redo their math. And then all of a sudden, the bill conveniently was even. And no re reconnect fee. Yep. And my mom was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm over it. I just want to go home. I don't feel good. I want to lay down. And she just couldn't sit there anymore. And she needed to take her medicine. And we needed to go. And my mom left it. Just the way it was. She didn't care. She just wanted her phone back on. And so she just ate it, basically. She didn't care. So they didn't pay her back any of the over money that they had taken, basically, from her. They just called it even. And they turned her phone on. Uh, well, one would think that, you know, this grieving widow had already had enough, but nope, there's more. Yep, and going through her bills, I also noticed that Xfinity was charging my mom for cable, internet, and a cable box. Mm. I said, Mom, why are they charging you for a cable and a cable box when you don't have cable, you don't have a cable box, and you don't even own a TV? You're blind. You don't even watch TV. So I don't know how anybody else likes calling the automated service line, but let me tell you, it's a pain in the you know where. Even more so when you are blind and unable, or just you know elderly, or just ain't nobody likes has to deal with with that. It's everything is just automated. Press this, press that. You know what? Let me talk to somebody. <laughs> um, and you know you have to sit so long to try to even talk to an actual person and then you know it's ridiculous and then half time you don't even get that and you're so flustered you just want to throw your phone out the window and say you know what i don't even care take the internet take the phone i'm done with it i'm gonna go have a drink <laughs> you know and you don't even drink <laughs> um well it took a while uh, to get back to the point where we would call back over there um on xfinity because mom and i both needed a timeout from the automated service um 
to finally be able to talk to somebody. And they didn't understand um, and said that they would remove it and that they would offer her a new plan. They would remove remove the cable um, and the cable box and take it off of her bill. But hey, let me offer you a new plan. Of course. Of course you can. Now her internet went, uh, was almost $80 a month for just internet. Well, I quite questioned him about the amount and told them that I knew that they had a cheaper service to offer her for $9.95 a month. And I know this for a fact because I had it um, when I had my house um, up the road here from where my mom lives. And um, anyway, they said that they could offer her the essential program plan program or something and it was $9.95. But she would not be able to stream, do gaming, or watch movies. Okay. Well, my mom's freaking blind, and that's the reason why we're calling, uh, because my mom just uses her internet for audiobooks, because she's confined in bed, and she doesn't stream, she doesn't game, she doesn't watch movies, and my mom doesn't even have a TV, um, she's blind. She doesn't do any of that, so this is not a problem. Well, that's all great. You would think the problem was solved. Nope. Her bill was in the 60 to $70 range still. So now I call in and they say that they have an ACP program. This would cover her bills for up to $30. Okay, that's great. Her bill's supposed to be $9.95 a month. So I went through, you know, I went all through the steps of getting signed up and I did this and that and everything was supposed to be done. I even wrote down the names of all the people I spoke to and everybody who transferred me here, there, and all confirmations, all that BS. And um, I'm thinking, okay, you get $30 a month from the stipend government or whatever to pay this program, but her bill is only $9.95 a month. So whatever happens to the other $20? Are you just pocketing it? How does that work? Well, fast forward to the, the this past weekend, or actually weekend before, because no, this past weekend, <laughs> losing track of time. I'm sorry. Um, my mom was wondering why her bill was. My mom got a bill in. It was $114. And why the internet wasn't working. So after sitting on the line and being transferred for over two hours to several people. Uh, guess what they never fixed on her plan. Yeah. Whoever didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so I had to redo the whole process all over again. So they were trying to say that my mom needed to pay the amount due. No she doesn't. You need to do your job on your end. And yeah. That's pretty much where that needs to go. And guess what? I said, well, it was either blah, 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 blah. And I started naming all the names off of all the people that I had written down that I'd talked to. And I told the lady five different times what my name was. And she kept calling me my mom's name. And finally, I got so fed up with her. And I said, my name is D. My name is D. I have told you over five times what my name is. And it's obvious you're not even listening to me. You could put your script down and talk to me like a person and listen to what I'm saying because I've explained myself so many times on what the issue is and you're still asking me what I'm calling about. This is why I'm calling because you guys are not doing your job and you're not listening and you're not putting in the correct information in your system. That's the reason why I'm calling pretty much. And I could tell you're not listening to me because I asked you if the hang lines were dangerous and you pacified me and just kept talking and said, yes, 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 and kept you on topic of talking. I had to stop you and point out to you that you were not listening because I asked you if the hanging lines were dangerous and you said yes, but kept talking like I didn't even say anything important. So I knew you weren't listening. Well, service came out the next day and hooked up the things that were supposed to be hooked up um, and said she needed to do a few more things to it, but she had another job call 45 minutes away. It was Sunday. She was tired. Um, and she wanted to um, get to the other job and get it done so she can get home. She'd come back out the next day on her lunch break and finish up tacking up the system that all was going to be okay. And I was just like, whatever, as long as mom's got internet, you can come and tack it back tomorrow. I don't care. Um, and um, I was like, okay. Well, nope. The next day, my mom and I, we had a doctor appointment to go to and the internet wasn't working. And... I don't know. The cable person never came back out um, like she said she would. So I guess uh, I got the joy of calling in the automated line again. Naturally, I was told by the automated voice that they were going to electronically reset my modem and for me to call back in 10 minutes if it wasn't back on. What? No, I want to talk to somebody. And I'm arguing to the automated service who gave me a dial-a-tone because she said goodbye. <laughs> um... 
I felt like Google saying, I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, so I made my mom dinner and I called them back and I finally got somebody and she was just an awesome woman. And um, she said, well, it looks like nothing was even done on your service call. And I said, well, the technician said she would be out, um, but she never came back out. And I don't know what's going on. So anyway, the technician came back out the next morning and um, it was the same situation. Um, you know, and basically what happened was the line was gone and they had to rerun the line again. And wherever they didn't, where they didn't tack it up, somebody had come through and wiped the line across where it goes across the road and totally wiped it out. So they had to redo it all. And anyway, so I was talking to the lady on the phone and um, I was explaining to her the situation about my mom's past bill with the um, cable and the cable box and all that. And I said, you know, they never even addressed it. They just apologized to my mom and offered her a new um, service plan and just kind of dismissed it. And, um, you know, she was never reimbursed for any of her money and it was just kind of left. And I said, um, you know, it's just kind of ridiculous. I said, you're the first person that's actually ever even really listened to me on it. So she, you know, took all my information. She put an investigation on it. And now we're waiting to hear back on it. Um, she said that if my mom was to get a refund, it would be credited to her bill. And I was like, well, my mom's bill is free now. So how does that work? And if the, pro if the program is $30 for a credit, that didn't make sense because her bill was only $9.95. But when I was talking to them about her service plan or whatever, they told me that um, when I had to redo it, um, they told me that her internet was going to be very slow for the $9.95. However, she could upgrade um, to a faster service for her uh, internet um, for $29.95. Yep. See, she went from $9.95 to $29.95, and your stipend is $30. So now instead of pocketing $20, you can give her pretty much the same service and justify the $20 that you're pocketing by offering $29.95. $29.95. Of course you can. And we have no choice because you're the only cable company out in our area. And so anyway... Um, you know, they came back out and they re-ran the line and the lady put an investigation. We still haven't heard anything back on it. And I honestly, I don't know if we will. Um, because that just seems to be how it is. And um, I told the lady, the cable lady who came out, I was like, you know, if you would have tacked it up, this, you know, it would have been different. You would have had to make another trip out to see my beautiful face. But I understand. It's just whatever. Just, just you know, we just need it done. At this point, um, in all of this, you know, my mom... Um, you know, she's elderly, blind, physically disabled, a grieving widow. And this is just too much unnecessary bullcrap for anybody to have to deal with, let alone someone in her situation or similar. What if I never intervened anything? You know, what if I never noticed or questioned anything on her bills? What if my dad had never passed away and it was not ever caught at all? How much money did really was really stolen from them by these companies? You know, and it seems that our finance companies, our utility companies, our government, and other business organizations are more and more of a monopoly. And this leaves us and our loved ones vulnerable and victim to being financially raped. How is that okay? How is that something that is allowed to continue to keep multiplying in their pockets, but yet putting us in situations that we're financially turned upside down, scammed, fraud, exploitation, and they get away with it. And I guess what you could say it's a legal deception because it's legal and they're but they're deceiving. And the elderly are, are scammed and they fall victim to such crimes and their whole livelihood is lost. They're, they lose their homes, their vehicles, their savings accounts, their assets, and even their utilities get turned off. Some are even victim to their own medication cost. My mom had to pay for her medication most of the time before my dad passed away. But yet someone I knew who was very, I loved dearly, near and dear to me, had the same kind of medication that my mom got, but he got it for free. And she had to pay for it. He wasn't even on disability. He was just out of work and had just gotten out of jail. But he was on the government hip plan and my mom was on Medicare. So she got, and, and, you know, she had the spin down and all that, and he got all his stuff for free. She got on Medicaid and qualified after my dad passed away because I was trying to get a stipend from the government to take care of my mom. 
so she could get on Medicaid for me to be able to get anything because I had to quit my job. So I had to, you know, I had to be her 24-7 caretaker and I had no income now. So now I'm with my mom 24-7, you know, and with no outside help. And I was given a stipend from the government to take care of my mom through Medicaid. All $30 a day of it. Yep. I got $30 a day. I just recently got upgraded with a raise, I guess you could say, because my mom is more and more or less confined to bed. And I went to getting from an average of $1.25 an hour to now $1.61 an hour. My mom has to help me pay my bills because I, I don't even make enough to live on. So it takes money away from her. And that's not fair. I honestly don't understand how our system thinks this is acceptable. Then I remind myself that I'm not surprised because it's our system and they think that it's any, nothing less but acceptable. <laughs> and now I'm not sure, you know. I'm sure there are enormous organizations that handle things for the elderly. And writing this and even doing my research, several resources uh, I found and came across and I wrote down. However, as an advocate for my mom, myself, and all the others that fall to the same situation, I don't think it is it is so easy or far to fair. I'm sorry to continue in such a, ma a manner. The elderly and the disabled, and basically, well, just ma mankind in general, have better things to do with their time. What little bit they have on this earth, wondering, you know. And, and losing their time and being patient and why this planet is just deteriorating and, and throwing us to automated services. It doesn't even care to take the time to actually talk to us as human beings in the first place. You know, maybe my problem isn't option three or option four. Then they say, do you want to talk to a live person? Um, no, please. Let me talk to a dead one because maybe then I'll finally get some results. Because obviously this live one isn't doing me any justice. What the, you know, what the bleep? If you're a victim of anything in this manner, or feel that something is off, or you don't like the way our companies leave us, feeling raped of our time, our money, and have to settle for what they say, because, well, that might be just the only provider in your area. Please remember that you are not alone in this particular support group system, because we are all a part of the big monopoly of them. There are many, many, many of us in this world that suffer this. There needs to be a point that we stop letting technology and our resources be the death of our livelihood and our sanity. I would rather have to have a payphone with TV antennas wrapped in tin foil traveling through five-foot carpet of shag carpet to get to the other side to adjust the channel and the rabbit ears, if you will, then to continue to be a subject of the monopoly world ran off of greedy and condescending jackasses. Besides, who even really likes to play Monopoly anyway? I don't know. I guess the bankers, the finance companies, the utility companies, the housing companies, the government, the system. Are they supposed to look at us and say, okay, so who wants to be the shoe and who wants to be the car? Thank they, thank, thankfully, there are more caring and understanding customer service reps that have to handle such situations and put out the fire, so to speak. All while the corporate heads do what they do and don't even know the direct name of the customer service rep that even saved the reputation of that company or the moment that they at least tried to do so. And the stress and the mentality abuse that they had to suffer from that, that customer Maybe because that is their only livelihood. And that they understand all too well how these companies play their games on society, but they don't have any other options. Or they try to do the best that they can with what they can. Or maybe they're just burnt out and tired of getting yelled at by customers, even if the customer's complaint is really justifiable. Please look at your bills. If you don't understand them, speak up. Ask someone you trust to help you. If you feel like a victim then you might just be one. If it seems too good to be true, do your research or trust your gut feeling. Only together can we make a difference. How would they like it if we all went off grid? Yeah, that's another topic we can discuss at another time. I am so sorry if this stresses you out. I promise I am only trying to bring attention to the much needed areas that are getting out of hand. Well, the consumer's hands anyway. You know how tired I get taking my mom all day, 
taking care of my mom all day, balancing her life, my own life, going to the store and feel like I have to work at the self-checkout at Walmart or wherever. Hell, I don't even get invited to the Christmas party, the company picnics. I don't get a tax refund from them. I don't even get any coupons. And by the way, it's not against the law if you just walk out when they want to touch, check your receipt at the door. If they don't trust you, then maybe they should give you paid training to do the self-checkout line or do it their own darn selves and take those out. I understand it's convenience, but don't question me at the door. You're taking, it's not convenience. It's not giving, saving me any time when I have to stop and have my receipt checked at the door for merchandise that I paid for. So really, where is the time being saved? Honestly, to me, it's invasion of my privacy and an unlawful search, so to speak. Just my thought. Maybe I don't want to see, I don't want them, maybe I don't want them to see what's in my cart. Maybe it's private. Maybe I bought something that's personal. Or maybe I know them and they don't need to know my business. Maybe I have better things to do in life than to stand in another line to get out the door so they can check my receipt. Why do they have to try to intimidate us like that anyway? Like they're taking, that they are taking up our valuable place in life to check a receipt that they could have gave us valuable time in our life by not even having to check our receipt. Do they want to compensate me for that? How do you compensate somebody for their actual lifetime of time loss of life? I will leave this all here for all to ponder on, if you wish. I hope that as a whole, we can actually come into an understanding that we are all on the same planet and all in this blessing box of life together. I am also confident to say that it is not about who has the most materialistic things in life? Or who could step on who the hardest to get up higher in the world to get where you need to go when there's nowhere left to get except one direction? I would like to thank this opportunity to thank everybody for listening to my podcast, listening to me ramble, listening to my life, and listening to my thoughts. But I do hope that in more ways that it actually makes sense to you and it actually gives you something to actually think about and hopefully intervene something on your end that maybe you had not noticed before. And I hope you are able to find the resources that you need before you need them. Again, my name is Dee. And you have been listening to me on my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. I hope you all have a safe and blessed evening and can find a different game in life to play. An actual real game and not something electronically demining. Good night.